Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. So you guys are excited to be here. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Texas, and so people are like, hey, what was it like living in Texas? Well, weather-wise, it's exactly like it is here right now, right? So you can be like, you know, 30 degrees one day, 75 the next, freak hailstorm and thunderstorm, like right in the middle of your Saturday afternoon. Like, it's just kind of a crazy, crazy thing. But um, that's why, you know, some of you guys, people are like, listen, we have so many people that are wrestling with colds and sickness and all that kind of stuff. And this is because of the weather. But listen, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, whether you feel the best or not, thank you for coming and being a part of our time together. And listen, uh, Heather already said this, but if you're a guest today, um, I want you to know how excited I am that you're here, man. It's our honor to get to uh, have spend this time with you. Uh, listen, we have prayed for you this week. Uh, we've planned for you to be here this week. We've prepared for you to be here this week. And I believe this, that no matter where you are, in terms of faith, in terms of, you know, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're seeking, you're searching, whether you're here trying to pick up a girl, like, I don't even know, whatever got you here, you guys are like, that happens? It definitely does, right? But listen, whatever got you here, here's what I believe, is what we're going to talk about today can make your life better. It can help your life. Uh, it, it, can, it can really allow you to, to live the life that, that I know you're, you're wanting to live, to, to get better every single day at the things that are going on. And so I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share that with you today. Hey, before we jump in, though, um, I want to share just one quick announcement. Uh, next Sunday, we're launching a class called River Club 101. It's going to be from 4 o'clock to 530. I'll be teaching that class. Uh, dinner's provided as well as childcare. And what this is, it's the first class in what we're calling our growth track. Our growth track is gonna be a series of classes we're gonna roll out over the next months that are really designed to do this. They're designed to help you take your next step, to help you take a next step to, to get more connected here at River Club to find out who we are, but also to get more connected and to take your next step in terms of just your, your faith in Jesus Christ or your relationship with him or exploring that relationship with him. And so this first class is really, it's, it's, it takes the place of what we used to do as far as a membership class, but it's a time we're going to share with you about who we are as a church, what we do as a church, um, what we're about, how you can plug in, how you can be involved. And if you're wanting to be a member of the church, um, there'll be an opportunity for you to take that step as well. But even if you're not ready for that, it's a great place to come and just begin that conversation of, hey, what, what's really my part here at River Club Church? So I want to encourage you to sign up for that in your connection card today and then make sure and be a part of that this next week. Um, but today we're wrapping up our series called Choose Joy. Uh, if you've been tracking along with us since the beginning of the new year, we've been walking through this New Testament book called Philippians, written by a guy named Paul to a church in a place called Philippi. And one of the main themes that Paul was talking about throughout this letter is this reality that, that joy is not just a possibility, but joy is a promise. And that's been the big idea for our series. And you're like, well, how, how do we get to that? Well, Jesus said that he has come so that we may have life and have it to the fullest, that he wants us to have joy and that our joy will overflow. And Paul's been saying, listen, throughout all these different things that happen in your life, joy is not just something that might be possible for you. But in Jesus Christ, joy is a promise that you can find joy, you can choose joy, you can experience joy in whatever situation you find yourself in. And we, we can see this in the very context of this letter. Paul's writing this from prison. And he's been in prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And it's ironic that a guy in prison is writing a letter about joy. But that's because he believed with all of his heart this idea that joy is not just possible. Joy is a promise. 
And we can find joy in every situation when we look to find that joy in Jesus. And so today as we wrap up this series, we're going to look at the idea of, of joy coming in peace. And so do this for me. Pull out your note sheet um, or your Bible, whatever you want to do to kind of track along and take notes. But we're going to read some passages together uh, real quick. We're going to talk about them for the rest of the time that we're together here today. So look at Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. So Paul once again says, be joyful, rejoice, choose joy, make joy a priority for your life. Verse six says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look at verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. So let's go back to that first couple of verses in this, this section. Paul says two things. He says, he, he says, number one, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. So once again, he says, listen, choose joy. Choose joy always in every situation, in every circumstance. Choose joy, pursue joy, make joy your priority. And, but then he says throughout that, like, you, you know, do all this stuff. But then he says, don't worry. So he kind of puts these two bookends to this, this one little thought of saying, listen, always be full of joy and don't worry. What Paul's telling us is this, is that, is that being full of joy and worry don't go hand in hand. That part of always being joyful is learning how to not worry. And when we worry, it actually keeps us from being joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, we, we try to be real honest here at our church um, about kind of what we struggle with. And, and so one of the things I struggle with is I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier, Right. Um, I, I get anxious a lot. Uh, I get, I get kind of nervous a lot. I just, I'm always thinking about, you know, what could go wrong and all that kind of stuff. And so one of the things I struggle with is I struggle with worry. I struggle with anxiety. And, and I don't know about you, but this makes a lot of sense to me because when I worry, it doesn't bring joy to my life. Do you agree? Like when, when I'm anxious, it's hard to be joyful, right? In fact, most of the time when I'm worried about something, I'm not joyful. Most of the time when I'm anxious, people don't want to be around me because that anxiety and that worry, it actually takes the opposite effect in my life where I'm not joyful. Oftentimes I can get depressed. Oftentimes I can get in a bad mood, right? And it has nothing to do with the people around me, but it has everything to do with the situation because worry has that effect on us. And here's the thing. We talk about worry. Well, what exactly is worry? Right? You, might, you, may, you may kind of think, well, do I worry? I mean, I kind of, I have concerns, but is that the same thing as worrying? You know, do I have anxiety, but does that make me, you know, an anxious person? Like all that kind of stuff. Well, look at the two definitions I came across this week when I was studying. The first one is by David Jeremiah. Here's what he says, that worry is having a mind divided between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. The actual Greek word that Paul uses for worry is made up of two other words, and it's mind divided. So it's having a, a mind that is divided between two ways of thinking. And that tension is worry. 
It's thinking about, you know, helpful things, productive things, legitimate things, legitimate concerns, right? But then also destructive thoughts. And so worry is, is not just being concerned about things because we need to be concerned about certain things. Like it's important to be concerned about, you know, looking both ways before you cross the street. Like that, that's a good concern. But the whole, it's a whole other thing to be so worried about a car running you over that you never leave your house, right? So worry is kind of this idea of moving from legitimate thoughts and concerns to things that, that are really more destructive. Uh, Rick Warren says that worry is this, and I read this this week as well. He says that worry is the futile attempt to control the uncontrollable. So do you worry? Would you consider yourself a, a worry person? I think we all worry about something. Now, maybe you're not consumed with worry. Maybe you don't feel like you're stressed out because of worry, but we all have this tendency to worry, at least, at least most of us do. You know, I was doing some research this week and um, kind of traditionally the, the top four things that, that we worry about as people that stress us out is job. We worry about our job. We worry about having a job. We worry about getting a job, keeping a job. We worry about, you know, is our job going to provide for us? Second thing is we worry about money. Oftentimes that comes back to our job, right? We worry about, am I going to have the money that I need to pay the bills to give my family what, what, I, what I want to give them to provide, you know, for the people in my life? We worry about our health. Or maybe we worry about somebody else's health and we worry about relationships. But what's interesting is I was doing some research this week about like the top things that Americans worry about. It's funny how those things have kind of taken a back seat to some other things. One of the top things in, in surveys that people worry about today are terrorist attacks. People worry about having health care and being able to afford health care. Because, you know, the whole healthcare system and where, you know, in a job situation, it used to be kind of a given. Maybe you get healthcare. Now there's a question sometimes. You know, some people worry about just this escalating violence in the, the nation and around the world. They worry about the economy. And so we live in a, a society in a day and age where if you want to worry, you don't have to look very far. And even if you don't want to worry, it's easy to find yourself worrying. So what's the big deal, though? I mean, if everybody worries a little bit, if worries is kind of a natural part of life, right, then what's, what's the problem? Well, the problem is this, is that worry is destructive. And anybody who worries would, would recognize and would agree with me to say that we don't like that we worry. I've never met somebody that says, man, my goal this year is to worry more, Right? I really hope to be more stressed out, right? Like my blood pressure is not high enough. If I just worry a little bit more, I'm gonna get on that medication. You know, like we don't, we don't think that way, right? We wanna, we wanna, we, we don't like that, especially those of us who worry. We don't like the fact that we worry. But see, here's the thing is we don't ever really try to do anything about that. We just assume that, hey, worry is a part of life. But Paul says, don't worry. Paul says, worry is not inevitable. You don't have to live that way. And, and, and see, here's the thing. And it's kind of the big idea for today. Write this down. That, that worry, worry wrecks, has a way of wrecking our joy. Worry has a way of wrecking our joy. And, and Paul says, rejoice in all things. Be joyful, choose joy. But worry is an enemy of joy. Worry has a way of wrecking our joy. But the solution is this, but that peace 
produces joy in all things. Now listen, if we want to stop worrying, we need to pursue peace. Because while worry will wreck our joy, what we're going to look at today is this is that peace actually helps promote and produce joy in our life. Now here's the thing. Like I said earlier, you might be here today and you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing. Can I tell you how excited I am that you're here? That you've taken that step to say, listen, let's talk. You, whether you're a Christian or not, I believe would like to worry less, right? So what does Paul say about worry? What if we could walk out today with a plan that with the help of God in our life, we could resolve some of the worry that we're feeling? That's what I want to share with you over these next couple of minutes. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, he says, don't worry. And he gives us a plan to resolve that worry. He gives us a plan that says, listen, okay, there's a way to reduce. There's a way to eliminate. There's a way to take the worry in your life and have a plan for how you're going to fight against that. And so here's what he says. The first thing he says is this, that if we want to resolve the worry in our life, then we need to do this. We need to, um, we need to worry about nothing. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? Like, I thought you said this was going to be helpful, right? It's like, okay, who doesn't want to worry? I don't want to worry. Okay, don't worry. Tip your waiter. You know, like, I mean, like, that's it, right? We're done, right? But it's like, okay, well, what does he mean by that? Why would he say worry about nothing? Here's what I think Paul's trying to tell us, is that we need to retrain our mind in how we view worrying. Because for a lot of us, I think we've bought into this reality that worry works or we wouldn't do it so much. But the reality is this, is that Paul says, I want you to worry about nothing. Meaning there's nothing in this world that is worth our worry. Nothing. There's nothing we could encounter that is actually worth worrying about. But see, we often don't think that, right? We've kind of bought into this, this idea that, listen, worry, it, 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 we, we need to do this. I, I need to worry, right? Some of us, if, if God took worry from our life, we'd be bored because we have nothing to do, right? Well, so what is Paul talking about? Well, I came across this. Rick Warren uh, did a, a, this kind of devotion newsletter. He's a pastor out in California. And, um, and he talked about four realities of, of worry that I think we need to retrain our mind how we view worry. Here's the first one. I didn't give you a place to write these down, but if you want to jot them down on the side of your note sheet, go ahead. He said this, that worry is unreasonable. That worry is unreasonable. Like, it doesn't make sense to worry. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have food enough to eat or drink or even clothes to wear. Is life more than food or isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, listen, the things that we worry about aren't the most important things to worry about. Like, there's nothing that is really worth worrying about. I was doing some research and came across this story in the Huffington Post about a, a survey and a story that, that surveyed people and, and, and their concerns and their worries and really asked the question, are we worrying about things that we really should worry about? Is it worth it? And here's what it said. It turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. 
So 85% of what the people in this survey were worried about, they were stressed about, it never actually happened. But all the warriors in the room go, but 15%, right? Right? But here's what it says. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. So here's the summary. That means that 97% of what you worry over is nothing more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. The vast majority of what we worry about is never even going to happen. The vast majority of what we worry about, we stress about, is not going to happen. And even if it does, so often, it's nowhere near as stressful as we thought it was going to be. It's nowhere near as difficult or as pointless as we thought it was going to be. So we got to understand, listen, that worry is unreasonable. It doesn't even make sense. The second thing is this, is, is that worry is unnatural. You were not created to worry. I, we, we, as people, God did not create us to worry. So if you kind of bought into this lie of, you know, this, I, I'm just, I, I worry. I'm just an anxious person. You don't have to be that way. Right? When God created you, he created me, right? We were not created to worry. Worry is a result of the sin in our life, in our world. It's a result of brokenness. But just like Jesus says he can overcome that sin, he can overcome that brokenness, he also can overcome the worry in our life. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? So listen, nature doesn't worry. Nature doesn't worry. And you're so much more important than the birds in the air. So it's not natural to worry. It's something that God wants to overcome in our life. Which means in Jesus, we don't have to buy into the lie that we always have to worry about things. We don't have to. The third thing is this is that worry is unhelpful. Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Worry's not helpful. Has worry ever solved anything? It hasn't for me. Like I've never sat there and thought all those hours worrying about that, I'm so glad I did that. Like, that it totally paid off. So often I said, man, I wasted so much time. Worry. Last thing Rick Warren tells us is this, is that worry is unnecessary. He says unnecessary. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, later on in the same uh, chapter, he says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, it's, it's unnecessary to worry because God has promised that he's gonna give us what we need. He's gonna get us through what, we, what we're going through. So the first thing Paul says is this, is that we, we need to change how we view worry and we need to make the decision to worry about nothing, to view everything in our life that nothing is worth worrying about. Second thing though is this, he says, we need to worry about nothing, but we need to pray about everything. We need to pray about everything. And this is so practical because those of us who struggle with worry recognize this, that worry creates and anxiety so often creates a helpless feeling in our lives, right? 
And we kind of sit there and we get stuck in our worry. And we kind of feel like we can't stop worrying because we have nothing else to do. Well, Paul says, listen, it's not just about not doing something. It's about doing something else. Look what he says in verse, verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Listen, prayer at its, at, at its simplest is our talking to God. It's us talking to God. It's us telling God what we need. It's us telling God our fears, our worries, our hopes, our concerns, what we are hoping for other people. It's you know, doing, doing all these different things. It's simply telling God what he already knows but longs to hear. And it's simply talking to him. And you see, the reality is this, is that for, for so many of us, prayer becomes an optional thing because we're so busy. And because sometimes we don't feel like prayer is actually doing anything. Listen, and you might be here this morning, and the reality is this, is that you struggle with the idea of prayer because you prayed for something and it didn't happen. Or you prayed that God wouldn't do something, and it did happen. But see, we get this idea that, that prayer is only effective when it changes a situation. But the point of prayer isn't to change the situation. Now, does God do that sometimes? He absolutely does. But the true purpose of prayer, the power of prayer, is to change us in that situation. Because, see, God is more concerned with your character, your growth, your strength, than he is about the situations we go through. Does God change situations? Absolutely. Should we pray that God changes situations if it's according to what he has for us? Absolutely. But what do we do when God doesn't change the situation? We ask God to change us. So if we're depending on something that's not there, then we ask God to help us depend on something else. But he says, pray about everything. So here's the thing. There's nothing too significant in our life for God to overcome. There's nothing too significant, too powerful that God cannot overcome. But there's also nothing too insignificant for God to care about. And see, the Bible describes God as a perfect father. Now, I'm an imperfect father. And what I understand about me is that there are some times that my kids are scared about things that I think are ridiculous, Right? You know, they're freaking out about a fly. And I'm like, it's a fly. To them, it is like Goliath fly. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on in their perspective, right? But I'm like, I, it, and I struggle to really empathize because I'm like, it's just a fly. Or maybe, you know, they, they're, they're, they want to keep telling me the same thing over and over and over again. And I get to a certain point where I'm kind of like, I know, Right? Now, is that a good thing? Absolutely not. I'm just being honest with you. But see, God doesn't do that to us because God's not like us. See, God's a perfect father. And whatever we're concerned about, he's concerned about. Whatever's stressing us out, he, he wants to work in that. 
You know, it's, it's so cool working with, with, with kids, right? And, and hearing their prayers. Because they'll, they'll pray about their cat. They'll pray about their dog. I mean, the, you know, they'll pray about, you know, uh, grandma stubbed her toe, you know? And, and as a cynical adult, it's easy to kind of be like, God doesn't care about that, right? Especially your cat, like, you know, no, right? Your dog, maybe, right? God didn't care about that. But that's so wrong because God cares about what we care about. If it's bothering us, guess what? He's never too busy to listen. And so Paul says, no matter what it is, pray about everything. Maybe you're like, Zach, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I even believe in God. Would you take the next seven days and just try it out? What's it going to hurt? Maybe you're like, I'm a Christian, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't pray. I don't, I don't find the time to do that. For the next seven days, would you try this out? And objectively ask the question, did this work? I believe it will. Your situation might not change, but God will change you in that situation. And so Paul says, listen, if you want to find peace, worry about nothing, pray about everything. And then he says this, he says, be thankful about anything. Be thankful about anything. Some of you are like, that doesn't really make sense English-wise, right? Shouldn't it be thankful about everything? Well, yeah, but we already used that in prayer, right? But here's what it means. Be thankful about anything. Meaning anything that happens in our life is worthy of our thanks. Anything. Because anything that happens in our life is a result of God's grace. Both the good stuff and the bad stuff. The fact that God would do anything for us is worthy of his praise. Because only by his grace that anything happens in our life that's good. It's only by his grace that he would lead us through difficult times because through those difficult times, if we trust him, he's gonna have a plan and an outcome and he's doing something in our life. I was reading the devotion this morning and in my own kind of time with God and it, it, it talked about this, that, that God leads us through the storms in life because without the storms, we would struggle to see his glory. Because without the storms, we would struggle to see his glory. It's so easy for us to miss the glory of God when life is easy. But when life is difficult and God shows up and he gets us through what we're going through, it's so much easier to see God's work in that. See, when we're thankful, it, it, it reminds us of what God has done and God is doing. Even little things. But it also reframes what we're going through. That even the difficult times, even the struggles, the trials, the challenges, that God has a plan and a purpose for all of that. Look what he says in, um, in Romans eight twenty eight. Paul says this. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. If you trust God, if you follow him, everything that happens, God is working for our good. Even when we don't understand it. 
even when we can't possibly see it. And being thankful about anything, being thankful about everything in our life, it helps bring us peace. Paul says, if you worry about nothing, pray about everything, be thankful about anything, the result is he's going to bring you peace. But see, he doesn't just stop there. Because if we resolve the worry in our life, and let me just say this, this isn't a one-time prayer. This is an everyday process. See, if we think we're going to decide, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to pray about this one situation. I'll be thankful for it, and I'll never worry about anything ever again. That's not going to happen. We're always going to have that temptation to worry. Why? Because we live in a broken world. But every day we come back and we make this same decision. But what happens when God resolves our worry? What happens when we, 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 we get some victory in our life over that and we recognize I'm not consumed with worry anymore? What, what do we think about then? How do we move forward? How do we keep ourselves from falling back into that trap of worrying about that same thing over and over and over again? Well, well Paul not only gives us a plan to resolve that worry, but he also gives us a plan to replace the worry. And, and the first thing he talks to us about is this, is that he says this plan to replace the worry is that, that we first need to focus on what we think about. And he says to replace that worry, we need to think about the right things. We need to think about right things. If you were here last week, we, we talked about this reality that where we focus on determines our direction. And what we think about it is so important. Here, look what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me ask you a question. If you're spending all your time focusing on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent and worthy of praise, what of those things are going to cause you to worry? None. Those things don't create anxiety in our life. Anxiety in our life is created when we focus on the wrong things. When we focus on things that aren't true, but they're false. Things that are dishonorable, things that are wrong, things that are not pure, things that are not lovely, things that are not admirable. That that's when we fall victim to coming back to our anxiety. Because what we focus on determines our direction. What your mind focuses on determines the direction of your thoughts. And listen, it's so easy because, man, we live in a culture right now where it's so easy to think that everything is just going to hell. I mean, every time you turn on the news, there's another tragedy. Every time you get on Facebook, somebody's fighting about something else. They're mad about something else. It's like everywhere you turn, there's always just this constant negativity. It, not things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. But here's the question. Are, are things really that much worse? Or perhaps are we focusing on the worst things? Here's what I believe. There's always been junk in the world. But there hasn't always been media and social media. And here's the truth. A positive news story doesn't get the same click rate as a controversial one. A tragic situation gets a lot more readers than a, than a story about somebody doing something good. 
Facebook's the same way. And so I think one of the things we've got to think about and honestly evaluate is this, is do we need to take a media diet, right? What do you do on a diet? You remove the unhealthy things and you replace them with healthy things. If we focused on God's word half as much as we watched news or we focused on Facebook and all the bickering and fighting and posts, I guarantee you this, we wouldn't be as anxious as we are today. Now, I've got no problem with social media. Like as a church, we're leveraging that. But here's how we're going to leverage it. To point people toward truth. To point people toward hope. To highlight things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Why? Because that's the thing that people are looking for. That's what's going to stand out. Another story about this person doing something to that person or this person disagreeing with that person and and all these things that are going on, all it does is it's this cycle. And so maybe the challenge for you today is this, is is to to, to take a media diet or a social media diet. Some of you are so entrenched in it, you need to take a social media fast. Like, don't eat. You're like, I'm going to starve. It doesn't matter. Like, if you starve from Facebook... You got bigger problems. You know, it's like, it's hard though, right? Because listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I think we gotta be wise about it. Because what we focus on determines our direction. And Paul says, listen, if you wanna stay away from anxiety, think about the right things. At least have a balanced diet, right? But he says, listen, it's not just about thinking about right things. He says, we need to act in the right ways. Act in the right ways. Look what he says. Verse 9, he says, Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, listen, act in the right way. Put into practice all the things that I've been telling you to do. Why? Because when we do the right things, we don't have to worry about those as much. I mean, think, think, about, think about this. What, what causes you the most stress in your life? Doing the right things or doing the wrong things? It's doing the wrong things. You know, students, or maybe you're a college student here today, what causes you more stress? Studying three days before the test or three hours before the test? Right? Well, three hours before the test. What causes you the, the, the most stress at work? Is it doing the right things or is it cutting corners hoping your boss never finds out? What causes you the most stress in in terms of your marriage? Is it spending time with your spouse and and focusing on them or is it it that relationship that you're tempted to have on the side where you maybe you haven't crossed that line yet, but man, you sure are playing with fire. Listen, right things are difficult, but the right things are always easier than the wrong things. One of the biggest stresses in, 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 our, in our culture right now is debt. Well, what is debt? Debt is all about thinking about, the right, or thinking about the wrong things and acting in the wrong ways. It's saying, I want this now, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it, whether I have the money to pay for that or not. 
And the stress that we feel financially so often isn't because we've been doing the right things. It's because we've been having a pattern of thinking and doing the wrong things. So how do we fix that? We start thinking about the right things and we start acting in the right ways. And Paul says, listen, if you'll do that, it resolves not only your worry, but it also replaces it. And he says, what's the result of all this? What's the result of everything that we've been talking about? He says, the result is peace. He said, it's peace. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, then you'll experience God's peace. Well, what do you mean then? He says, if you focus or if you, uh, you, pray, you worry about nothing and you pray about everything and you're thankful for anything, he says, then you'll experience God's peace. Well, what does that peace do? It exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That the peace of God helps us have joy, even in circumstances we don't understand, because that peace exceeds and goes beyond our ability to understand. But we've got to make sure we're resolving that worry in our life. Look what he says in verse 9 about, about replacing that worry. He says, then the God of peace will be with you. That when we are thinking about the right things, we're acting in the right ways, the God of peace is with us. We begin to experience that peace. See, joy, I mean, we're talking about worry wrecks our joy. But that peace, right? The peace is what helps produce joy in our life. In all things, in all situations. So here's the question I want to leave you with today. It's the takeaway. And the takeaway is this. Is worry wrecking your joy? Is worry wrecking your joy? If you were to be honest, if we were sitting over coffee and I asked you that question, what would you say? If God were standing right in front of you and say, okay, you can't lie to me because I'm God and I already know, right? Is worry wrecking your joy? What would you say? If worry's wrecking your joy, you need to resolve your worry. You need to replace your worry. So how are you going to experience peace this week? What do you need to do? Do you need to rethink how you view worrying? Do you need to make the commitment that I'm not going to worry about this this week, but instead of worrying, whenever I worry, I'm going to pray about it, no matter how small or large it is. And no matter what happens this week, I'm going to thank God for it. Maybe you say, you know what? I need to change what I'm thinking about. I need to think about the right things and make sure I'm acting in the right ways. I believe this, that if, if we'll make that commitment, if we'll say to God, God, this is my commitment that I can only accomplish with your help. Will you help me? I believe he'll do that. If you're not a Christian here today, you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I believe. If you will, if you will ask God in all sincerity, God, show me how real you are by, by helping me to try this way of living. I believe God will show up for you. And he'll reveal his promises to your life. Look, as we conclude this morning, we conclude this series, I couldn't think of a better way to do it than with the Lord's Supper, with communion. See, the Bible tells us this, that on the, the night that Jesus was arrested, where he was going to be taken and sacrificially give his life on a cross and, and, and then be raised from the grave three days later so that we could 
find peace, we could find joy, we could find hope, we could find forgiveness, that he had a meal with his closest followers. And as a part of that meal, he, he, he took bread. And he said, this bread represents my body, which is going to be broken for you. Whenever you eat this bread, I want you to remember me. And it says, then he took a cup. And he says, this cup represents the, the new promise I have for you. It represents the blood that will be spilled from my body as I give my body, I give my life for you. And that blood will allow you to be forgiven of your sin, to find that new start. Because whenever you drink this, I want you to drink it and remember to me. And Christians throughout history have now taken those two elements, the bread and the cup, and we gather together and we take those. And when we do, we're reminded of Jesus, who the Bible says is the Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace, the one who gives peace. And so today, as we move into a time of response, we're going to sing a song together. And that song is going to just proclaim what we're talking about. And, and I want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the only requirement. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to have ever been here before. But if you're a follower of Jesus, then I want to invite you to come up as we, as we come up just kind of on our own. There's two tables over here, two over here. Get the bread, get the cup. You can come to the front, kneel down and take the elements. You can go to the sides, go back to your seat. And this, as you're led, as you feel comfortable, Go ahead and take those elements. But maybe before you do that, you, you've got some business to do with God. And you need to just come to him and say, God, I need your help because I'm tired of worrying. And maybe you need to lay down and, and hand over to him. The Bible says that we are to cast our cares onto God because he cares for us. And we need to give those cares to him. Why? Because he cares for you. And maybe before you pick up the bread and the cup, you need to say, I need to lay this down. Would you help me? Or perhaps maybe before we move forward, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for, for us and move into this time, but here's what I wanna do before I do that. Is I believe that there's somebody in this room today who you're here today because you never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus has you here because he's leading you to make that decision. He wants you to become a Christian, become a follower of his. And how we do that is we admit the fact that we've sinned, we've made mistakes. But we confess that we believe in Jesus. Doesn't mean we have every question answered or we're, we have no, you know, kind of like, I'm still trying to figure stuff out, but it means, listen, I come with faith like a child that this is true. And we commit our lives to him every single day. If you want to make that decision in this moment, I want to lead you in a prayer. The words aren't magical, not special. It's a way to verbalize the commitment you're making. So let's all bow our head and pray. And if you want to put your faith in Christ for the first time today, just pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for being the Prince of Peace. I confess to you all my sin and mistakes. I ask you to forgive them. I ask you to make me new. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in what the Bible says about you. And today I want to commit my life to you. I commit to follow you every day from here forward. Knowing that I'm not going to be perfect. 
but knowing that you love me. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe this, that God has come into your life. He's given you a new peace. You're now part of his family. And you can worship him and leave this place in a few minutes, completely different than when you walked in. (laughs) Father God, I pray for this time. As we celebrate, God, those who put their faith and trust in you for the first time, God, we come back around to those who are your followers, God, who are wrestling with worry. They're wrestling with joy. Today, during this time, as we take your supper, they take these elements, God, would you remind us, God, of the peace that we have in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's come take the elements.